0: But that one had telltale signs of a, of a fraud also. That was a guy who bought a house in 1970. So he buys in 1970, for sure he has no title insurance because title insurance didn't exist in 1970. So if a fraud happens to this old older gentleman, he's in big trouble because there's nobody to help him. Ugh, I get it. The Toronto real estate market is
1: confusing. Whether you're a new or experienced investor or just looking for a home to raise your family in, join us at Broadview Table Talks as we sit around the table with my friends talk about the real estate and the ever-changing market in Toronto. Happy to be here. Lots of stuff going on in the fraud world, as you see in
0: CBC. I know it's been going on for years, I know. It was, it was Christmas vacation. I was in Florida, okay. minding my own business, having a nice Christmas vacation with my family, <laughs> and then... All of a sudden, I see you know because I still follow some of the news, and I see CBC, CTV, all about you know someone losing their house, two point two million dollar fraud, and they had to you know publish it on January fifth when most of us are enjoying the time off of their kids, thinking about a lot of other things, not thinking about oh my god, I'm a, I'm gonna lose my house or can I lose my house? Yeah. And then uh, phones start ringing off the hook, guys like you, real realtors, brokers. Um, and clients calling, saying, does this really happen? Is Or is this just a headline? Then there's nothing to worry about. So that's, that's the experience we had at Christmas time. So then flash forward another week. I think it was uh, January 12th or 13th. Another one comes out in the news about, the, the first one was about a family that actually moved out of the country and lost their $2.2 million house. And then the next article was about an uh, older gentleman in his 90s who Frosters tried to sell his house out from under him as well. Well, he's heading into nursing. Oh. tenants, yeah. yeah. So, you know, back to back terrible stories, and um, you know, th- these are real things that are happening out there, and we don't hear about them until they come out in the news. But then yesterday, if you watch CBC and CTV, you know, thirty frauds on the books right now that they're investigating with the, with the same organized crime group. Because they hired, some, hired a lawyer for, for Title Insurance hired a lawyer to investigate all this because it's in the media now, right? Well, it's not really a lawyer that's investigating it. They they hired um, a guy named Brian King, who I actually happened to have lunch with right. last week because I have a direct communication because we're you know we're a good sized player in the real estate market and Chicago Title is one of the biggest title insurers in the country. They set up this lunch for us so that we could understand what they're going through. So that we could be more diligent and they know that we're out there talking to, um, you know, agents and brokers all the time, we can give them tips on how to protect themselves. Nobody wants to end, Nobody wants this to happen and nobody certainly wants to end up in the papers, um, least of all agents, lawyers, and especially homeowners that, you know, it could happen to them. So that's, that's how this all happened and the guy that you read about in the paper is... Lead investigator for some of the title insurers, like he's the lead investor. He's got a private investigation firm. I think he was a, a detective in a previous life or something like that. He's got a direct communication with the fraud squad, and he's he's a hired gun to investigate the frauds because, um, you know, I was told it's hundreds of millions of dollars that yeah. um, that the title insurance companies lose because title insurers insure over fraud, and you know they're they're at the end of the day it's. The clients are, are very vulnerable people losing their houses but title insurance if you buy your house in the last 20 years chances are you have title insurance so the title insurers are going to be on the hook for all these
1: frauds well first of all i don't know if we didn't introduce you you're a real estate lawyer you've been doing this for decades yeah. i've been using it for two decades at least anyway so it's amazing i know that every single one of your deals you don't take it on unless the purchaser has uh, title insurance or buys title
0: insurance that's correct for that reason yeah. for the last 20 years, title insurance has always been optional. Um, when title insurance came into Canada, I was one of the first lawyers out there to adopt it. I met, um, really nice guy who's the CEO of Stewart title and he convinced me that this is something that I, that is great for my clients and I agreed with him, I investigated it agreed with him. And then I decided from that day forward, I am not going to close a deal without title insurance. It's some pennies in comparison, you know, if you're buying, let's say, you know, Five hundred thousand dollar house, maybe it's six hundred dollars for title insurance. It's relative to the amount you're paying for your property. It's it's nothing. And it's a one time fee. Yeah, it's not one right. time. Yeah. So a lot okay. of people don't know don't may may not know what real uh,
1: title insurance is. They probably do, but in case they don't, it's just a one time fee, and it protects you for
0: anything to do with title, right? Yeah, it's not. It, it protects you for lots of different things. Sorry. You know, like uh, arrears of taxes from previous owners, things like that, uh, work orders, but. In this context, let's just talk about the real protection you need, which is fraud. Because the other things, if somebody's got taxers, might be thousand dollars, might be ten thousand dollars. It's not going to be two point two million dollars. It's only the frauds that will really hurt someone. The other ones, like I'm not belittling a work order or anything, but those are it's all small potatoes compared to that, compared to the frauds. So yeah. and the frauds they don't happen a lot. It's not like you know it's it's a fraction of a percent in our in our marketplace that, that it happens. But when it does happen, it's a big deal. You know, if there's if we closed, I don't know, five thousand deals last year and well how many how many deals were there in the city of Toronto last year? There was eighty thousand or something like that. Yeah, to the two ends, right? So oh no, shoot, It was one hundred twenty five the year before and about eighty last year. Yeah, okay. So we're we're hearing about thirty potential frauds right now. Even if it was a hundred frauds, it's still not a lot relative to eighty thousand, ninety thousand closings in the city. So it's not a huge number. But to the people that it happens to it's a huge huge deal that's why it's so important to talk about it and to figure out a game plan so that we can lessen the risk for everybody out there and that's you know that's why we had this little lunch there was me and a bunch of other lawyers and lead investigator and the, the top dogs at Chicago title all brainstorming on what we can do it's not just what we can do as lawyers what we can do in educating uh, realtors and and their agents um and also talking to um you know, all the other government agencies, like we're regulated by the law society and the mortgage brokers are, have different regulation. The, the, uh, um, right. yeah, you've got Rico and our guys have Rico mm-hmm. and you're doing FinTrack, um, you know, but there's still rest. cases that fall through the, of course. Right. Cause it's at the
1: end, at the heart of it, it's title fraud. I mean, identity theft and mortgage fraud, right? So if you're going in there and, and coming with fake ID and you don't know any different, I don't know if it looks like a guy,
0: ID looks good. That's an issue, right? So there's ways to check it, for sure. Yeah, the fraud's happening to you, it's happening to us, it's happening to the mortgage broker, it's happening to everybody Right. with that same fake ID. Right. So we need to check and balance to figure out how, what do we do. In my mind, in the perfect world, it would be you know, the, the title insurers are paying so much money to right now because they're paying out money, like hundreds of millions of dollars. How much money would it actually cost to create a better system? But the only way, like title insurers would pay for the creation of a better system, but it needs the levels of government to buy into it, of course. So imagine this. Imagine you know somebody wants to list their house and the first thing you say to them is, here's a link to a portal. You have to go onto this link and answer the questions and upload the information that you need. Similar to what you do when you go onto CRA. If you want to go into my business on CRA or something, you can link in through your banking information. So what if there was a portal that everybody that wants to buy or sell a property in Ontario Clicks onto that portal and they get verified, and that verification is, you know, usable for the lawyers, the agents, the mortgage brokers. Once you're verified, you're verified, and it would go through lots of questions. You know, it's not you. You don't have to do it. There would be a system that would would do it. It's kind of like authentication when you go to get a passport. Right. You know, you have to fill out an application and you have to put references, and passport office calls your references and they make sure. You know, they check up with you know, the whatever vital statistics bureau or whoever's issuing, the, you know, the original birth certificates or whatever ID you're, you're using, there's checks and balances in getting a passport. And I'm not saying there aren't fraudulent passports out there. There are, and there's fraudulent birth certificates and there, you could be given a real birth certificate, but it could be fraudulent, even though it's, it's a genuine birth certificate issued by producers of material, material yeah. but it could be fraudulent, it could be fraud. so, you know. Because there are people on the inside at government offices, at banks, at wherever that help the fraudsters out. So we need to, I think in the perfect rule, we would create a better system to, so we don't have to be having these discussions. A system, you know, so if there's 30 frauds that have, that are being investigated now, it might reduce the number to, you know, 0.1 or, you know, a way, way less number than what we're seeing right now, because right now it's not Frauds aren't rampant, but it is certainly front and center. 30s a lot, I I think. A lot of money and a lot of money. So well, I, I understand from this process is that now you can put
1: the ID in a driver's license, at least only in Ontario, and then uh, look up the details and verify it on their website. Yeah, you can. You can. That's buy only a driver's license in Ontario. In Ontario. Correct. Whatever. Guess guess what? I don't
2: drive. I don't have a license. Or uh, I have don't don't that right, yeah. which is going to happen. You're going to push push in that direction.
0: Yeah, there there are companies. Um, there's one called Treeport, which is. The, which has designed a system similar to what I'm talking about where it will vet id and but it's it's an independent private company that's doing this and they do a better job than you do or that I can do and we use it quite often when you know when we're concerned but it's still not a perfect system okay i'm talking about creating a close to perfect system where it's you know it's got you know government buy-in and the money to build it and You know, all the the different levels of government have to talk to each other with ID then at
1: the end of the day. And then you got to worry about security with somebody on the inside stealing that database and, you know, leaks and all that kind of
2: graphic.
0: always. So all right. Sorry. So, but you know, for today, we can talk about the frauds and what happens. Because when you, when you read those newspaper articles, you hear about the fraud, but then you don't know what's, you know, what happens to those people that lost the $2.2 million house. Or the buyer that was counting on the... Or the buyer that moved in. Or sold their place has nowhere to go now. Exactly, exactly. So, right. um, let's let's start with the buy. <laughs> sure. Or no, let's start with the homeowners that that lost two point two million dollars. So in this case, two point two million dollars. And what happened was, fraudsters they're they're very sophisticated. They're not stupid. They the guys and you see the pictures and the papers. Those aren't the fraudsters. They're just a one little part of the fraud. The fraudsters, exact. Actors, actors. They're actors. Yes. The fraudsters could be. In any country, anywhere around the world, and when you hear about, you know, the, the investigators or the fraud squad saying that they think there's 30 going on with the same group, it's a huge organization. It's not just, you know, one one person that keeps doing it. It's a lot of people. And it takes a lot of time and effort. So, with often with a, a title fraud, it might be um, somebody that's, that finds out. Let's say, let's say somebody calls you up and say says, you know, Ken, can you list my property? I, you know, I want to sell it really fast, I'm moving out of the country or whatever. As soon as they say I want to sell it really fast, that should get your radar up. Who wants to sell their property so fast as to not get top dollar for their property? There's the situations where it is valid, there are, no, right? Yep. There are situations. In this case, it's two point two million dollar property and the fraudsters went door to door looking for the agent that is asking the least number of questions. They didn't they didn't take the first agent they went to. They're looking for somebody Maybe it's a newer agent. Maybe it's an agent that doesn't do much business and all of a sudden they're thinking, Wow, I can get a commission on two point two million dollars sure. or you know, you know, you want this sold bus? Yeah, I'll list it tomorrow. You know, like we'll you know we'll do whatever it takes to get it done fast and Because that's you know, agents. Are yeah, absolutely. That could happen. Yeah. So they might they might go door to door looking for that, that right agent to uh to list the property. And the agent may not have the experience to ask the right questions. So in the $2.2 million one, they might have, um, they they look for a house that in this case, it was one that was empty. You know, they're looking for somebody that's renting the house and then they might call you up, someone might call you up and say, you might have a house that's listed for rent. And they call you up and they say, hey, Ken, uh, I see you've got a listing for this house for rent on Simpson Avenue. And, you know, and it could be a legitimate agent that you even know. I said I was called by a client that's looking for a house and is interested in that house, um, but my cl- my client's my client's Ukrainian and just wants to know are the homeowners Russian? And you say no, 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 the homeowners aren't Russian. They're super nice people. And then he says, oh, are they are do they live here? And and you say no, they uh, they live overseas. So we manage the house for them or we help them manage the house. So right away your focus is on. Are they Russian? Because you know they the fraudsters have diverted you to thinking, oh, oh, we better not put Ukrainians with Russians in a rental situation. But really, the question they're asking is, do they live here? Right, right. Are they off? They're okay. diverting you to a simple question: Are they here? And then you know, and you, but your but your answer is like, no, they're they're out of the country. Fraudsters like ding, perfect. That's <laughs> perfect. And then they say, Lovely. and then and then you they may call you back. And say, you know what, Fred? Uh, uh, you know what, Kenley? They said they're not interested in that property. And then the next day you get a call from some other agent saying we've got tenants that are interested in that property. It's the same fraudsters but just somebody else that went to another agent because they've just vetted you to know that that property the homeowners are out of the country. Sure. That's that was their whole agenda. So that that's how the frauds start. And then, you know, in the process of renting that property, they're gathering information on the people. They're going to, you know, wherever they can to get Statistics on it, so they might be using fraudulent information to get tax information, uh, creating enough information, stealing mail, doing whatever they can to create fake ID of those people, and and then they, when they ultimately they might rent the property and they might stay in the property and rent it for a couple months while they're generating that fake ID, sure. And then next thing you know, the property's listed for so, for sale, and they knock on you know one of your other friends' doors and they say, I want to list the property, and you say, Fine, and they list it. And in this case, you know, $2.2 2 million, the fir- first offer that came in was a $1.7, and they said, great, we'll take it. Fast closing, we'll take $1.7. So the house is sold for $1.7, and the people, the homeowners, are have now lost $2.2 2 million. Well, they have no idea yet. It hasn't closed yet. No. No, well, in this case, the $2.2 2 million, did close. They did close. No, no, no. What I mean is, at the, at the point you're talking about, 1.7, they got the deal. Great, it hasn't closed yet. No, yeah. it hasn't closed. Just a f- few more checks and balances. Yeah, they, you know, the fraudsters go to a law firm and might be the realtor says, you know, these lawyers are great and All my company is great. Yeah, no, but yeah. if it was you calling me up and saying I want you to take care of these wonderful clients for sure. me, I would, I would think that you've already vetted these people. They're wonderful clients. They might be friends of yours. I would only think the best of these people because it's coming from you. Sure. Because yeah, you're a trusted professional that we've worked with for 20 years. Right. So that's, you know, that's how you and I can get sucked into one of these things. Right. Unbeknownst to us. And, you know, that's, that's how it happens. So it's, um, we don't want that to happen. So then, you know, then we start our process as lawyers and we're, we're checking and balancing also. So we, you know, we Google the house, we see what it is. We Google the people. We often use LinkedIn. We do whatever we can to, vet people because we don't want the fraud to happen to us. And LinkedIn is actually a really good thing to use because, you know, fraudster creates a fake LinkedIn. You know. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Because it will say vice president of development of, you know, cause it's usually a $2.2 million house a big house, VP of development of some company you've ever heard of. And then you see three, like follow- follow- three followers, yeah. no connections, yeah. no postings. Like, you know, you know, you know. Yeah. um, but if you don't check, you won't know. So, you know, because frauds happen, you get in the habit of checking people out. Um, and it's not cuz you're trying to, you know, be sneaky and spy on them. It's just, you just want to protect your business or your industry, and and we do it all the time, of course. So, um, in so in this context, so now the deal's closed, you know, as lawyers, we, you know, we accept the fact that we think we're getting proper ID, we think these people are legitimate, we meet with them and sign them up, and we've transacted the deal we sent the deed to uh, the people that are buying it and the people that are selling have given us a void check or their bank information or wire information and we always have our radar up if it's not like one of the big banks if it's some if they say i want you to wire the funds overseas it's no we only put it at that point. it's kind
1: of too late though right because this is like when it's about to close or after it's closed
0: is yep. where do i send the money to right right but so, we're looking to send it to one of the big banks because but, the big banks have vetted those people as well but what i'm trying to say is that at that point when you're asking that question
1: it's very close to the the closing or if not already passed and there you, are, you have the money in your trust account now
0: you got going to send it somewhere else right no, no 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 we're just in our normal practice we're asking where do oh, you want the money to and go and at, like as part of the hit Pen- onboarding yeah. Okay. We're always on or it could be any time right up to closing. Sure. They they would tell us where they want the money to go. Sure. But if if they tell us they want it to be converted into Bitcoin, uh, we're, yeah. we're, you know, that right away, that would get our radar up. Sure, of course. Yeah, we we only want to send it to you know, one of the big yep. banks um because we know that the big banks a very careful job at betting people also. But they're not immune to the frauds also. I was about to say, because that just happened, right? The, the first case I just got announced, I think it was last week. The first two didn't have a mortgage, if I'm not mistaken. No, the first one, the $2.2 2 million, it they didn't have a mortgage. I think it was like $200,000 or $300,000. Oh, still, it had a mortgage. It had yeah. a mortgage. But so when when we, ser- when we search title or when we get a requisition from the lawyers on for the buyers, they tell us what is on title and normal courses, we pay off that mortgage. We would have sent a letter to the bank saying, you know, our clients are selling this property. And send us a mortgage discharge statement. So in this case they sent us the mortgage discharge statement and the mortgage was paid off. And by whoever I don't know who it was that actually closed the deal. But I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't you need the account numbers and all that stuff? Like it doesn't show up on title, the account numbers on
1: the on the charge. It it doesn't show up. Um So that's like another red flag that you could see. Yep. Right, as a lawyer. Yeah. So once your radar goes on, what do you who do you report to? Pinch?
0: I first of all you do a little more investigation. No, the police police, police. Yeah, if, if we think there's a, a real fraud going on or if the radar is up, we, we might call uh Brian King because he does this all the time and he does it for many of the title insurers, um, and get guidance from him and because he's got a direct channel to the fraud squad sure. that is dealing with mortgage and title fraud. So it would probably I would say first call would probably go to him, second call would go and he would probably direct us to who will take the call at the police. And um and that's how we would deal with it. Fortunately, we, we haven't had to have that happen in our office. Right. Uh, we've caught many frauds, but we never that have gone far enough where uh, the police were involved. And how much of
1: this is, uh, like a lot of people ask this question as well too, how much of this is lawyers on the inside? Like I'm I'm not trying to talk bad about any professional because that's their license on the line. Yeah. Like that one with that young and finch where that lady walks away with $11 million, whatever for condo deposits and all that. How much of that is somebody, a lawyer that actually knows what they're
0: doing and is helping with this? I don't know how much of it is, but yeah. with any profession, there are bad eggs in every profession. Sure. So, um, I, it r- remains to be seen, like, you know, as the investigations go further and further, they might find, you know, there could be lawyers that were, you know, that were part of the fraud, uh-huh. or there could be lawyers that were just willfully blind to what was going on with their clients. But well, you have to, consider, are, it's not going to
1: happen though, right? Because. You, know, you go to school for what eight years or whatever it is, fifteen years or whatever it takes to get your license away, throw it all away just for a couple million bucks, right? think oh, like it doesn't.
0: We get we get these publications from the law society, the disciplinary publications, and there's you know, there are lawyers that get that do bad things for stupid reasons, and you know, I think was it is it worth it for the number of dollars and you know. I wouldn't do it for any number of dollars to try to be involved in anything like that, and neither would anybody that I work with. And most you know, ninety nine percent of the lawyers out there are the same way. But there's you don't know a circumstances. It's usually some bad circumstance could that a lawyer I yeah, yeah. need to share, right, be, yeah, right. Right. It could be drug addiction, it could be yeah. uh gambling addiction, it could be anything right. that you know or, or you know, being friends with the wrong people. That's true. You know. Uh, um just mafia or mob or whatever. I mean, you never know what it is behind the scenes, but when you read the stories as you know, cause all the lawyers are sent out all the disciplinary stories and you read them and you, you know, they're heartbreaking. You know, someone had a great practice for 20 years and then all of a sudden, you know, something bad happened in their lives and they became uh, an alcoholic or a drug addict or whatever, and then that was a slippery slope and it led to bad things, it happens in every industry and. Um, I don't know if, you know, it remains to be seen if that is, if they are part of a lot of these frauds, who knows? Like maybe if there's 30 of them, um, the police might find that there's a common link to a law firm or to a mortgage broker or to realtors or that remains to be seen. Tenant or whatever, yeah. Whatever. Um, But when, you know, if it gets to that size, you know, chances are that there are players in here that. Are you know maybe they are bad players? Oh, so that's the the case of the seller. What happens to the buyer when they're showing up with a moving truck? They sold their house. Okay, so in this case, the two point two, we'll talk about the two point okay. two million dollars. The two point two million dollar one, the the buyers, you know, got title to their home, moved in, and actually they did made it a whole bunch of renovations to their house, made it completely different than it than it used to. Oh lord, their home, yeah. their home. Yeah. So now you got a completely renovated house that looks nothing like what the original owners had. Right. So this story actually had a happy ending because the original owners didn't want the house back. They've already, they're overseas. They were just renting the house as an investment. They were happy to get money for that That's house. Payout. Right. right. So if as long as they got $2.2 2 million minus that mortgage that was paid out, let's say the mortgage was $300,000, as long as they got $1.9, they were happy. So that was good because the... Homeowners that bought the house from the fraudsters—they love the house. They renovated the house. They didn't want to stay there forever. So the deal that was struck between the title insurers was that the people that moved into that house can stay in that house. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. that's amazing. So it had a happy end. That's awesome. Well, well we people that lose the insurance. Card. Title
1: insurance is the one. Yeah, yeah. And right. was here. But but that's a, was... the best case scenario, and that's not exactly. That's on
0: because like, you... unless the seller was in on it, but but it, it took the title insurers to dis- discuss it with each other. Or And including the, that investigator, because you got got uh, Chicago title was for the original owner. First Canadian title was for the people that bought the house. And the people that work on the adjusters for both those title insurance companies have to come together and figure out a solution rather than have one person sue another person and try to get the land titles office to revert the title back to the original person. And then that person has to sue their title insurance company to collect money. It's like, you know, you know what it's like. It's like, you know, when you have a car accident, you, you want, you don't want to have to deal with anything. You don't want to get surf papers. You just want your insurance company to deal with the other insurance company and have the problem go away. Right. That's what happened in the $2.2 $2 million case. So the two insurance companies had to write checks and, you know, pay the original owner out and pay the legal fees and. What a mess, yeah. But yeah. I'm glad it worked out. That's, that's good. That's how it worked that's out. That's the best case scenario of a fraud case. Best case for the two, fraud, the yeah. two people that were defrauded, the homeowners. Yeah. Um, terrible situation for the title insurance company. Of course. But that's the business that they're in. Right. So um, it's there's, there's a small not-so-happy ending to this case. Okay. That small not-so-happy ending is the amount of insurance that the original purchasers had. Oh so their loss was let's say 1.9 million dollars because they lost the 2.2 2 minus the mortgage payout sure because that mortgage that they had was actually paid out um, so 1.9 million dollars they bought the house for let's say seven hundred thousand dollars twelve years ago. Their title insurance policy 12 years ago you could only get it when you buy a title insurance policy, you get the value of the house times two is the maximum payout is still so the case now? We'll get to that, we'll get to that, but at the time that was, that was the maximum amount of insurance you could buy. So their coverage is $1.4 million. Their loss is $1.9 million. Difference is half a million dollars that they weren't insured for. They were underinsured. And so in that happy ending, they lost a half a million dollars because they had too little insurance. So their, their first thing was, well. Did my lawyer screw up? I shouldn't have. Should, why did I have, why was I underinsured when I bought my house 12 years ago? And the first thing they did was like, they pointed their finger at the lawyers. Cause they're the lawyers are the ones that get the title insurance for the clients. Sure. Well, 12 years ago, you could only get two times coverage on a house. So, you know, they, if they bought for 700, you could only get $1.4 million of coverage. And the coverage lasts for the lifetime. As long as they own that house, they're covered for up to $1.4 million dollars. Who thought 12 years ago we were going to have frauds like this, and who thought the value of the house was going to go from 700 to 2.2 within 12 years? Sure, nobody did. So that's why that's what the title insurers offered. So um, Chicago Title, uh, which is one of the big ones that we use, came out with a a program where you know. So this is so there's no there's nothing that could fix that underinsured situation for these people. So. You know, you, you can't point it at the lawyers because there was nothing that the lawyers had. We couldn't buy them more insurance back then. But now, t- Chicago Title has a program where if you pay a 10% extra premium on your title insurance, you can have uh, market value coverage for as long as you own the property. At the time of the purchase of the... At the yeah. time of the purchase. You can't top up somewhere in between... Like 10 years later, you can't top up, can you? We'll get to okay. that okay. But right now... Right. So what we changed in our practice when, t- when Chicago Title came up with this, right now, what we do is, by default... We pay that extra 10% and we get our clients coverage that, you know, so they never have to worry about value of the property. they will always be covered. This is as of January 5th, Mitch, or is this before? Well, he's had it for a while. I've been, no, okay. yeah. so then, so, The premiums have gone up for a little bit, but you also, right. you also get a warranty. Too. So is, yeah, the warranty is something else it's about, cool. oh, that's, that's different cool. from everything yeah, else. Yeah. But I think, that, you know, if your title insurance premium is thousand bucks, I don't think you'll mind paying $1,100 knowing you've got that coverage for, you know, that increases with inflation. Um, Stewart Title changed their policies and they automatically give you, without paying another premium, they'll give you four times coverage of your property. So if you buy for a million bucks, they'll cover you for $4 million. But if you own that property for 20 years, that might not be enough. You know, you've seen what a yep. real estate market has happened. So um, it's up to, we we use both title insurance companies, but it's up to clients to decide what they want. But by default, we, with houses we're generally using Chicago title because of that other warranty program that we've got um, condos we've been using Stewart title both are excellent title insurance companies and we try to find the best solution for all of our clients in choosing one or over the other um, but it's you know we, we want to get the most coverage we can and we try to you know we, we quote our clients based on paying the full amount like that extra 10 percent and if a client says "I don't want it that's their choice. And then we just won't get it for them. But at least we had that discussion and uh, they, they could choose whether they opt in or opt out. So that's that's what we're doing right now so that we have a happy ending for everybody. So the other uh, insurance program that you're talking about was it's home insurance. So we have, when the pandemic hit, we realized that clients couldn't go in and view the houses the way they used to view them because couldn't get home inspectors to go in. And it's really like on a house, you got to do an inspection. Condo is not quite as important. Sure. Because the, the building is, is managed by common our element. manager. Right. Common, common element. elements. But in a house, you got to know what you're getting into. Of course. So when that happened, we went out to, Chicago Title had a relationship with Encompass Home Warranty, which is a home warranty program where um, you can get a warranty for your house that you're buying. So we went to Chicago and we went to Encompass Home Warranty. We said, we want to give one year warranty to every client that buys a house from us during the pandemic. We we don't we'll pay for it. we it's not the clients have to pay for it. We will pay the whole thing because it was it was inexpensive. It was a few hundred dollars to get a warranty for a year. It's so such sure a nice value
1: add though, because not any other law firm does that that I know of no, there is so there isn't any in Ontario. Covering it. structural
0: plumbing, electrical, heating, that kind of stuff, right? Everything for a year. Uh no, it's not, not, structural. not structural. Not structural. No, it is heating. Okay. It's heating and air conditioning systems. Plumbing systems, electrical systems, hot water tank; those things are covered for a year. Because and and the reason we chose a year is because I think in a year you go through four seasons. If there is a problem, you're gonna know within the year. And you know to get a licensed electrician or plumber or whatever to come out and diagnose something, you pay a fifty dollar deductible. Sure. And they'll pay up to ten thousand dollars of repairs if the, if they find something needs to be repaired. So I think I thought it was a great product, and that's why we implemented in our office. We're gonna do this. As long as this pandemic lasts, so oh.
1: all the real estate agents should know about this because yeah. it's a huge benefit when you're telling telling people, "I'm going to tell you this thing. Work with our lawyer, and they'll give you a free warranty or whatever." Of course, that's awesome. Um, so we, we did it,
0: you know, and we were, like I said, we we're paying for this. And <laughs> I thought, okay, this is pandem- how long is this pandemic going to last? Maybe you know six months. We'll suck it up and we'll pay it for six months. Well, we started this in April 2020, and we're still running with <laughs> it because the clients have loved it. I mean, there's been many instances where people have gone in, and you know, the, you know, they bought in in March, and then in the middle of August, their air conditioning system breaks down, and they've had a three, four thousand dollar repair. Oh
1: crap! Missed the opportunity.
0: It has to happen to me. in <laughs> September, <laughs> I should have made the claim. I just paid out of pocket for a new air conditioning. Right. Yep, you got to remember. Yeah, if you pay out of pocket, that's not a good thing. You have to make the it's call. Like grand. Damn it! You have to make the call, and if they don't have somebody to lay now. so if they don't have somebody to come out immediately they'll say to you go get you know anybody you want and then send us the bill which which is also really really nice so we've had a lot of clients especially with air conditioners um we've had broken pipes and drain leaking things mm-hmm. like that that's all about with air conditioners um it actually happened to me <laughs> myself because uh, before i do anything i always want to get it and try it out on my own and yeah, of course so i actually had a an air conditioning a compressor that blew at my house. It was only 12 years old, but it was on Freon. It was on Freon or whatever gas you can't use anymore. Yeah. And they said, well, we can fix it, but we it's not advisable because it's it's an old gas system, but we will pay $4,000. They paid $4,000 to get a new air conditioner for That's amazing. And I did not tell them who I was. I didn't say, oh, I, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm sending all these policies to you or anything like that. I just wanted to experience it myself and our clients have had the same experience. So, but we're, we're, we're digressing, so that's not- we about fraud. it. Fraud, oh. all right. But on, on the fraud stuff, there's, so we, we talked about that that big fraud, the $2.2 2 million. Let's talk about the other one that was in the paper. Uh, that's the guy who's 95 years old and living in an old folks' home. So that's a guy, that fraud happened, they caught it before the house was sold out for, from under him. But that one had telltale signs of a, of a fraud also. That was a guy who bought a house in 1970. So he buys in 1970, for sure, he has no title insurance because title insurance didn't exist in 1970. So, if a fraud happens to this old older gentleman, he's in big trouble because there's nobody to help him. So, um, in the, in his case, if so, because he's got no title insurance, there are, there are things that that are built into the Land Titles Act which can help get your title back. Right. But let's say, for argument's sake, he he's defrauded. What did these fraudsters do? Or Or he's he's getting into a fraud. These fraudsters, 95 years old, it's really hard to find a 95 year old actor to pretend they're, you know, to be the fraud or the daughter or whatever. So in this case, the fraudster was actually presented fake ID of being a 55 year old person and that would have been something like a, an astute realtor would have searched title. So the, the realtor checked title on use geo warehouse. Sure. And in GeoWarehouse you can just see that yeah, the name matches. Sure, but it does, you don't look. You, how often do you pull the actual deed right. from GeoWarehouse? It's forty bucks. Right. So if you, right. It, if a real if you pay the extra forty bucks, you can actually pull the deed. It will have the birth date on it of the person who's saying they want to sell your, okay. their house. Then you would see that that guy's ninety five years old, and the guy that's in front of you is saying I want to list my house is fifty years old, and he's giving you ID with that name, but fifty year old's ID.
1: Then again, so, if you saw it when he bought it in 1970, you'd be like, hey, this guy bought it when he was zero or whatever, exactly, five years old. Exactly. But it doesn't always show up too, though. Land titles doesn't show up that it, it, at a certain date, it was land titles versus land registry, right. right? So we wouldn't see the actual date of when it was purchased, do we? Yeah. When, we do, okay. Yeah, when you see, when you're searching, you'll well, search. Well, There's a certain time, though, We don't see work. it. I'm seeing dates in the end. where shows you, but F- right. Geo doesn't. I don't know. Anyway.
0: Sorry, if, if it doesn't and you're concerned, then we could pull a search for you because we, you know, we, we have more access to more things. But I'm pretty sure with GeoWarehouse Warehouse, you can you can see the date of the last transfer. I think it's and the name. Last. I think Geo Warehouse. Oh, Impact does show that earlier dates. Anyway, okay. but another
2: any uh, that's a good that's good like trick for the problem. It's an example of confusion already on how on how far back it goes. Right. Almost two guys have been in the business for almost two. Days. I just got be right. in the. Like, right. oh, seriously, and and so
0: the onus on the realtor, to try and sort that part out. I can see how they would fail. Yeah, on- but it's not, uh, this is not in the normal course of a realtor's business. Realtors do check the names match, but that's it usually. Yeah, yeah, right. Maybe now because there's frauds, maybe the realtors will spend that extra 40 bucks and look behind and see what the date, the birth date is of that. that in- I can't see that happening. But anyway, all right, all right. Okay, but that's, that's one thing that, that could have happened. Okay. okay. Another interesting thing about this case was that the fraudster signed, I don't know how many documents you get a person to sign when you have a, when you're listing. You know, there's, there's couple a couple, myriad of documents. Yeah. You know, they, they signed the listing agreement. They signed a FinTrack thing. Right. They, they might sign a few 100%. other forms yeah. for your brokerage. The offer itself. So the offer itself. So in this case, the fraudster actually signed their name and spelled their name wrong on two occasions in the documents that they signed up front with the realtor. The realtor never caught it. The Brian King caught it. The investigator caught it when he was reviewing all the documentation. So that was another bad thing. So what, what would happen if you ask your client some questions about stuff? You know, how long have you lived in the neighborhood? Did your kids go to the school here? And they say, yeah, yeah, they went to the public school here. What, what's, what's the name of that school? And they don't know the name of the public school in in their neighborhood. Like, you know, that's something that would caught catch a fraudster off guard. Another great tip that Ryan King actually gave me was when you're listing a property, how often do you ever ask them for a copy of their insurance? On their home house. insurance home insurance no why why would you ask that you don't you don't need to as a realtor you don't have to ask them what their home insurance is of course but try it the next time you list a property ask your client can i have a co- can you give me a copy of the home insurance because everybody has home insurance and everybody has a, a renewal i can't imagine anybody not having home insurance if they have a mortgage they, they have have the 100 percent have insurance. right they made it right. so when you're but you do ask your clients is there a mortgage on the property if they say yes, then for sure they have home insurance. Sure. Even if they say no, they should have. I almost guarantee you there will be a fraction, like of 10,000 sure. people out there that don't have basic home insurance. Sure. So as you know, home insurance renews every year. And when you renew your home insurance, you get an email saying, you know, home insurance has been renewed or yep. there's all, they do Everything is confirmed, but with an email. Very seldomly, they might send you your policy in the mail, but you still get an email. So you ask your client, can you send me search the last email you got. Let's say it's TD insurance for argument's sake. So you can just search TD insurance. You'll see there's a confirmation of your insurance. Just flip that to me so I know what coverages you have so that if any agents call me, I can tell them the types of coverages and what it- How much cost? How much home insurance costs. you're not asking for this. You're asking for it because you want to catch a fraudster, but it's very plausible that you're asking for home insurance because you just want to have the information so that you can help any prospective buyer with more information because you want to get an offer for the home. Right. That will catch a fraudster off guard. Fraudsters do not have home insured. They don't know who the house is insured with. They ha- they're they not that sophisticated yet. Maybe if there's fraudsters <laughs> listening to us <laughs> on this podcast, they'll know what our next step is. Yeah. But I guarantee you, like, try it the next listing yeah. you have. Well, even tax bills. I mean, I, I guess you get a copy of the tax bill. You can get to copy right? of the tax bill. Pretty
1: easily. Once you have pretty, the customer yeah. number and the ARN number. And then, uh, I guess, if there's rental heater contracts, like, you situation. Yeah, remember that? update road. road anyway that's <laughs> going on, but yeah
2: so we wrote the contracts for sure yeah. but remember back in the day we used to do mortgage verification statements mm-hmm. Yep. yeah i haven't done one of those in i'm not gonna lie 15 years but there was there were four you you could make a request through your client at the table can you just sign here i'm just gonna ver- verify your mortgage info with your bank that would
0: yep. be a thing we did yep. Absolutely. that's a return yeah with with Treeford, quite often what they do is they they look at the um a person's credit bureau and they can see that they have you know rogers for their television and bell for their phone and enbridge or whatever it, that shows up on their credit bureau and they'll ask the person on the phone or through their email or for, through the portal upload a copy of your bill and of your phone bill or whatever because they can gather a lot of information from the credit bureau and that's that's one of the ways they do a check and balance fraudsters have infiltrated credit bureaus too, yes. so they they are on to that. But it's just not all the fraudsters are sophisticated as some. Many get caught because they're not as sophisticated. Right. Um, so you're always looking for that piece of information that catches a fraudster off guard. The the home insurance one I thought was was brilliant because you know if you asked me for my home insurance right now, I could just pick it up on my phone and instantly, immediately send it to you. If I said to you. Uh, I don't remember who my home insurance is with, or I'm going to have to check with, uh, I'm going to have to check with one of my friends. Cause they set it up with, with some broker. I don't remember who it is and I'll get back to you in a week and in a week, then they send it to you and then your, your radar should be up. And then you're going to vent that very carefully. You're going to call the insurance company or call somebody, you know, in insurance and say, I need to know if this is legit. Um, or if they send you a policy and the policy start date was last week. That would get your radar up sure. also sure. because the policy start date with insurance should always be relative to when they bought the home. You know, if it was in 1970, that's not going to catch it for the start date. But, you know, if it was, if they bought a house four years ago and now they're, se- they're saying they're going to sell that house, chances are that renewal date of the policy would be very close to the date that they bought that house in the first place because you buy a one-year policy, you renew it. Or you switch to another insurer, but chances are you're switching around that time frame. You're not going to pay for two insurance policies for six months or something like that. That's that's another way huh. to catch the fraudsters. What are some ways that some home homeowners can protect themselves from this kind of fraud? I mean, as identity theft, so, insurance, so you get all that. But yeah, so one of the ways is make sure you first and foremost make sure you have title insurance. Um, the 95 year old gentleman, he needed title insurance, and what if I met that individual? Today, I would say, you know what? Let us get you a quote from one of the title insurers. You can buy title insurance anytime you want. You don't have to buy it at the time you're buying your house. So for anybody that, any clients you have that are older, that have owned their house for a long time, anything over 20 years, for sure, they don't have title insurance. Um, when you when you hear about that, or if you're talking to your clients and they tell you about their parents who are moving to a old folks home or whatever, just, it's a great conversation starter with any. Anybody that's a potential client out there, um, because and then, you know, so like, here, call call my friend Mitch because his firm can get you title insurance, and that's what that's what we do. So we're we're actually setting up a a, a website and a portal so that people could actually buy title insurance um, very easily, um, upload some information to us, and then we still have to go through our process with the title insurers. Title insurers don't want to get defrauded on people just trying buying lots of policies, right? Um, we have to we'll have to search their title. Sure. And my guess is it's it's not gonna be a really expensive exercise to do this. Uh, the policy premiums are very similar to what you get, what you pay when you buy a property. So if you went on to Chicago Title's website or Stuart Title's website, there's, you know, a button for homeowners. You can click on that button and then you can get you can generate your own quote based on what you think your property is worth. Okay. And, um Oh. That's permission, yeah. Awesome. I didn't, you, I can't, think, you, know. you can't buy the insurance directly from the title. Right, because you gotta go through the searches and all that. Right, you'd have to office. buy it through, through guys lawyer. like us, through a lawyer, but nonetheless, you can have an idea of what it's gonna cost you. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, what else can you do to protect yourself as a homeowner? Protect your ID, yeah. change, change your passwords. I know you, you've heard all this stuff over and over again. You know, you change all your passwords frequently, um, bring your mail in every single day, you know when the mail comes. Um, be aware of that, but don't put yourself in a situation like the fraudsters are looking for elderly people. They're looking people that aren't living in the home. They're looking for vacant homes. They're looking for, uh, rental properties. If you live in your own house and, um, you live a normal life like you and I do, chances of fraudsters targeting us. And you also have a mortgage because fraudsters don't like big mortgages. So, um, you know, you may even want to register a big line of credit on your home and not use it. Because the fraudsters, when they search your title, they see you know if it's a two million dollar home and they see you have a one point seven million dollar line of credit, even though it's not being used, the the first thing they see they don't know whether you're using it or you're not using it, but they certainly see a big registration that would no juice enough. There's no value, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're not looking for that. They're they're looking for the house with no mortgage, right? Looking for the house that you know two point two million dollars with a three hundred thousand dollar mortgage. You know they're looking for that scenario. And the reason why it was three hundred thousand dollars because the people bought it got a mortgage. When they bought the house 12 years before for 700, got a regular mortgage and it's been paid down a lot. And so the fraudsters, when they search title, which you can see on Gioueros, you see the date they bought it and you see the mortgage. If the, if it's still that same registration from 13 years ago, you know, purchased house, mortgage is the next thing that's registered, nothing else registered since. Chances are those people have a very small mortgage. And nothing's left, or uh, or next to nothing. Yeah, of course, left. of course, we use that for negotiation power yeah, anyway. Yeah, and the buyers <laughs> are onto that, so that's
1: that's what they're looking for. All right, um, Neil, do we have any questions on the live chats at all?
2: Uh, we don't have any questions coming up, but uh, Sherry did say that this is a great offer, and that's in regards to the warranty where Ken lost.
1: <laughs> 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 she reminded us. Like, I completely forgot. We no. <laughs> okay? You're <laughs> watching.
2: but yes if you're watching feel free to drop a question in the comments for facebook or send it on youtube also by commenting and i'll be able to see it i'll stop them and uh send them the question awesome thanks i think the insurance uh ask is very valid totally justifiable as well and it's a pretty easy thing to
0: uh, absolutely how do people find me do well did you did you put like, are they seeing like a byline, like call the number on the screen? Well, we're going to close <laughs> off. I was going to ask how people reach out to you, but we might as well say it now. How okay. are people going to find you how to so reach out as a judge? Our firm's Foreman and Company. Yeah. And we're real estate lawyers. Like, we right. do some wills and estates and stuff like that, but pretty much real estate law. There's 15 lawyers in my office. We have 58 people in the whole firm. 15, though. And yeah, so we, and we close oh. deals all over the province of Ontario. We're one of the bigger layers. Some, how many a year do you do? Sorry? Tell them how many, how many a year? year? How many deals a year you do? To I think pay. last year was 6,000 deals. That's a lot. That's a lot of deals. That's a lot of deals. About four so guys, we're big. We're biggest in Toronto. I think about four percent of all the deals in Toronto go through our office. That's awesome. Uh, we're pretty big in Ottawa. Um, matter of fact, we were just um, nominated for a top law firm in Ottawa for real estate. Okay, uh, by Faces Magazine. It's like a big publication that has a gala in Ottawa, so we're really happy about that. Congrats. Uh, Toronto Post Magazine. The last two years, um, six of our fifteen lawyers were named. Toronto's top lawyers in real estate by uh, Post Magazines uh, this year, which was amazing. Like it's not, look, I I think everybody that works in our office are amazing, but I think (laughs) we we try to go the extra distance. We try, we take what we do really seriously. Sure. We're not the cheapest law firm out there. Uh, We don't want to be pressured by trying to be, you know, the cheapest. We want to do a great job at a reasonable price for all of our clients. And, um, and that's, I gotta say you're not the most expensive either. No, because because from it, yeah, exactly.
1: So you're very reasonable. You're not the cheapest, but you're pretty down there. Like you're not expensive. Yeah. In other words, because I've had other clients that had a good relationship with their lawyers. They don't specialize in real estate. They do one or two or three transactions a year, maybe. They do other sorts of law and practice general law. They, of course, charge like four times the amount, and they don't really do it. They mess things up. Your firm is different because you have a process. You have a checklist, and you have a whole system and a whole bunch of people. Your law clerks are amazing too, by the way. They're actually probably better than the lawyers' self fans. But um, no, they're they're awesome. And then um, at least you have a process on how to do things because this is all you do, right?
0: Which is yep. huge. Big the difference. Them. I only want the best working with me. It's, it's not just, you know, they, they don't have to be, it's not about top marks in law school. It's about street smarts too. Because the, if you've got top marks in law school, that, that's not training you to catch a fraud. Sure. You know, I want people that Look at the big picture. That are willing to ask the right questions. Our law clerks to do the same thing. We train our law clerks to do that also, and and we pay our law clerks really well because we want great people handling this stuff for all the clients. It's the it's the biggest investment the average person has in their lifetime. You certainly don't want to mess that up. So that's 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 what we do.
1: Yeah, it's great. Um, okay, so how do they find you? So Corman &
0: Company, you just Google it. You can find your site, CormanCompany.com. Uh, yeah. Well it's actually Corman right oh is a website. Yeah. And everybody in my office are first name at dot So if you need to get a hold of me, it's Mitch at dot And what if they have questions?
1: Who do they reach out to? If they want to have a new deal to submit to you, who do they reach out to? Send it to me. Okay.
0: And I'll and I'll send it to my admin team. Tell them that is. Sorry? Tell them how to reach you. Mitch at Corman Or It's M A N C O M. E-A-N-Y. So it's all one word. Yeah. CormanCompany.com. And copy New Deals at CormanCompany.com as well. Yeah. Well, New Deals is for the realtors. Oh. So actually, if they write to info at CormanCompany.com, which is what it says on our website, they'll get our admin team too. Awesome. Um, great. Are you watching it?
1: <laughs>
0: can't be with me too much do again.
2: No, it didn't match
1: Well, no, actually, I remember it, one where like a long time ago, maybe ten years ago, fifteen years ago. There was a assignment deal that you helped me out with, and the builder said, "No, you got it through." And we're not going to say it on camera how to do it, but nope. you did uh, you did we it? Do it, which was awesome. So I'm really impressed. <laughs> a lot of good things that you, you know, and a lot of things that your quirks and lawyers have actually caught as well too, just from the complex deals I've given you as well, the, the commercial deals that were pretty amazing.
0: So yep. how 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 much time do we have as much as you want you want do you want to hear about it? another kind of fraud yeah sure. another exciting story one that I actually caught sure. well actually it happened twice uh two attempted two attempts through my office one I caught and one um, Michael Clark one of my partners caught so um agent calls me from Barry and says I've you know I've been reached out you know, people reached out to me for a twenty million dollar house that they want to buy and thing is there aren't too many 20 million dollar houses in barry right. house houses in on you the know lake. gta right on the lake and you know but i'm worried because the purchaser is in california and he says he wants to buy it because his girlfriend lives in toronto and he wants to have a, you know this beautiful home for him and his girlfriend because he'll probably be coming up here a lot or, or living here or whatever and he's purporting to be some extremely wealthy person so 20 million dollar Purchases nothing for him. And so I get the call from the realtor and right, and the realtor was smart enough to say, I don't like this, something, why would they call me? I'm a Barry realtor for uh, Toronto property. And anyway, but the realtor, before it even got to me, the realtor did actually show the house to the girlfriend and the girlfriend walked around the house with a, you know, with, you know, FaceTime video and showing her boyfriend how beautiful the house is and they love it and they want to put an offer in. Something doesn't sound right. So they reached out to me and first thing I did was, well, this guy in California doesn't know how um, our real estate system works. So put me in contact with the guy in California. So she does. And I get on the phone first, you know, the email introduction and I say, like, I'd like to have a talk with you. I'm the realtor of, I'm the lawyer of choice for um, this real estate company and we close the transactions for them. Can we have a, a call? And so I get on the phone with the guy and I asked him for... I said, actually, even before the call, I said, before I have the call, I do need some back and background information. I'll need two pieces of identification. I need a driver's license, and I'll need a passport. And so I started asking for that type of documentation. Then I get on the call and I started asking him some questions about random things that I just make up, because but I just want to get answers. I want to hear some answers to her. And so some of the questions were, we're fine. But then he started being somewhat belligerent pushing back and saying like, what do you need to know this for in, in Ontario? I buy and sell all kinds of houses in all over the U.S. and we don't have to go through anything like this. And I don't want to answer these questions. I just want to put my offer in. Can you help me? If, you know, if not, I'm going to find somebody else. Anyway, so that attitude you know, got me going because he knows that I get referred by realtors. So if I piss him off, word gets back to the realtor. I'm not going to get referred anymore. And he's smart enough to know that and he's using that as leverage. Like, you know, you just, you know, I'm going to use you, but you stop asking me questions anyway. So I'm always looking for that question to catch them. In this case, I didn't catch them on a question, but I did catch them on ID. So I did get a copy of the ID, the driver's license. First thing I did was I researched the address on the driver's license. I Googled it. Person that is buying a $20 million home. His address is in like, foothills outside of L.A. It's a three hundred, four $400,000 house that he's saying he lives in. That guy is not buying a $20 million home here. Then I went further, and I actually did Google a lot more. I actually found out that he was a professional fraudster. Oh. Convicted for many, many frauds. Oh. Under that name. Huh. That was like... Oh, f- I was I was so happy with myself that actually I caught this. Well, how were where the funds come from? Like, you see- there's no funds. Yeah, there's no offer even put in yet. Oh, basically. we started before we even got started. Yeah, and so you're wondering, like, where's the fraud going to go? Let's say this guy has no money. Yeah, where's the fraud going to be? Or maybe he's got some money or whatever. So this is how I think this was going to play out. He signs a firm agreement to buy a twenty million dollar home, and it's. You know, let's say he says my money is tied up in investments. Um, you know, I I am gonna have to stagger the the deposits. A like twenty million dollar home might be, you know, five hundred thousand dollar deposit, or so. It might be a million dollar deposit. Let's say it's five hundred thousand dollars. Sure. And he says, look, I can give upon acceptance. I can certainly give fifty thousand uh, dollars, or a hundred thousand dollars. But then I got it. I'll do another hundred thousand. You know, three weeks later, and then we'll stagger it. And the deal gets signed that way because the people, the homeowners, are happy. that They're getting the twenty million dollars. They'll take a staggered deposit because the the closings not for you know three months or something like that. They're okay as sure. long as that deposit money comes in. Then he goes to the realtor. So the deal's all signed, and he's going to make that fifty thousand dollars deposit. And he says, "Oh my God, I can't believe it! You know, my you know, I have this bank account in France, and I've got seven million dollars in this bank account." And they're telling me it's going to take 30 days to wire it to me or 15 days or whatever the case may be. I can't, that $50,000 I can't do. Like, you know, you, you're you my listing agent. You pay the 50,000 and I'll pay you back in 15 days. Here's here's confirmation I got the money. Here's a copy of my bank statement from the bank, Bank Paris in Paris, France. And now the agent's sucked in. The agent thinks they're going to make, what's two and a half percent of $20 million? I don't think that way. So, may I <laughs> Two and a half percent, a lot of money. It's a lot of money, man. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. You know, inch. Yeah. Huge money. The agent's like, okay, I got a line of credit. I'll, I'll just pay the $50,000 deposit. Sure. And that buys this fraudster some more time. So the fraudster still doesn't have any money because all they've done is they've got an agent to pay part of the deposit. So what's the fraudster doing with the agreement of purchase and sale? Now that he's taking an agreement of purchase and sale where he's buying something for $20 million and it's a legitimate agreement of purchase and sale, He's shopping that agreement of purchase and sale to other people to defraud Fine. them. No, he goes to, he goes to a cocktail party and says, oh, I, yeah, hey, how are you? I haven't seen you in a long time. I just, what's new? I, I, I just bought this $20 million property in Toronto and you know, it's stunning. Like, look at this and shows him all these pictures and everything and tells him a great story about this property. And then that's the end of that evening. Sure. And the next day he calls him and says, oh, you know. So when I see you, remember that property I told you about, I'm going to send you a copy of the agreement that I'm buying this, what he sends him a copy of the agreement, he says, I've got to make another deposit, a hundred thousand dollar deposit in a week, but I've got $50 million tied up in the sale of my business of whatever, and it's taking a little bit longer. And I thought, can you, lo- I like, I haven't got any money because it's all tied up in sure. this deal. Can you lend me a hundred thousand dollars? I'll pay you back 120,000. In two weeks, I just need the money for two weeks. I'll give you back twenty thousand dollars on your hundred thousand dollars, and he'll do that to ten other people. They'll shop that agreement, and the people, you know, the person's going to get right up a check for a hundred thousand dollars. Not stupid. They're going to call the realtors, and the realtors are going to say, "Yeah, yeah, we know this guy. And he, yep, he's buying this house, and yep, yeah, that first deposit went in fifty thousand dollars. Was my money that I loaned him? But yeah, the, the, you know, everything's fine with that agreement. No, and, well, it's and, so unsophisticated. This Don't is what wait. this is." No way. This is what happens. Minus the part, like sometimes the agents do get sucked into helping I, their clients uh, out. Yeah. But the fraudsters will shop something paper like that around and pick up fifty thousand here, a hundred thousand there, and then the guy's gone. Yeah. Of course, you don't know. So the fraud was never in that fraud. It's never really relating. It's relating to the house only from the perspective of that signing that first agreement. Cool. But the fraud is completely separate. Yeah. It's just tool. To get money, ah, oh, that happened to me. I gotta admit, that happened to me. hattie
1: Lyons, if you're out there, I know who you are. Honestly. No, honestly, she made me write an agreement, didn't put any deposit. I didn't put in my own money, of course, obviously, not stupid. Yeah, but uh, she never showed up with a deposit, and that's when you asked, did you ask for proof of funds? I'm like, oh, I should have done that. It was a two million dollar home at the time, which is a lot of money back then. Yeah, but the proof of funds could have been fraudulent, also. Of course, like of it's just, but either either way, that's... Where you can't catch. Of course, it didn't bet. happen. And so nothing yeah. happened. I was like, what's a scam here? Like, I don't get what she's trying to get. Like, I, I really don't understand, but that makes sense that they're trying to use it to shop around to scam other people. Pied Lion's ghosted you after that? Of course. Over? Of course. Did she ever really exist, Ken? Who knows? She wouldn't look <laughs> up, so. Anyway, whatever. And then I got a fake ID. Oh, you got to see this. I got to show you this one. Um, all right. Anyway, I'll find it. But uh, it was horrible, horrible. And I just I just wanted to play with them just to see what it was. But this is the ID he sent me. Like, come on, like, I don't know. It was horrible. Yeah, crazy foo or something. How does this make any sense? And then I looked out, <laughs> like, Instagram profile. There was some like Nigeria or something. I'm like, what? yeah, um, heck's going on. Where's my driver's license?
0: This is on right. live video. Go. will <laughs> 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 tell you. Like, so this is a regular. This is this is actually legitimate. Probably went through a driver's license. Sure. On the back of it, there's like this little fine line back here right? yeah. that you can't see what it's on, Sure. but it says. Sure. It actually says your name on that fine line. Okay. It has information on but if you had a magnifying glass, you could actually see that. Sure. That's one of the safety Tennessee's features. Are you? I no. don't know that. <laughs> so that's one of the safety features in a driver's license. Black line. Oh, cool. This has. I can't see the words. Oh, well. I'll, I'll take your word for Yeah. So yes. it's like a diamond. If you scan it and you enlarge it or you get a magnifying glass you should be able to see that's one of the ways you can else the barcode and if it yeah. yeah um i i had no idea but huh. it was actually the investigator brian king he, he taught me that one but who does that because what we do is we take the id from the client and we scan it into our system and it looks yeah. real um we don't like my staff doesn't have a magnifying glass and they're not examining every and driver's license that they're handed you've also been on zoom for the past two and a half years doing transactions like you're not that's physically difficult. seeing it. yeah yeah, the best thing for us in the pandemic was enabling us to sign our clients remotely. It was the best thing and it the worst thing. Best thing because the clients love it and we're more productive because of it. And, you know, it's, it's a better client experience rather than, you know, they're trying to, you know, worry about packing and everything. And they have to drive over to their lawyer's office and sit down with the lawyer and go through all the documents and sign everything. They, you know, they it saves them a lot of time and effort. It's It's a good client experience. But at the same time, we're taking identification that is scanned and sent to us rather than in the old days, they would show up at our office and hand it to us, but you know, if they hand, they could just as easily hand us something that's fraudulent as faxing or emailing or sure, you no know, scanning, but it, it's easier to fraudulently change things that where, you know, it's being sent electronically rather than in person course because. We can't touch that passport to see if it feels right. Right. Same thing with the passport you just showed me. Yeah. You're not feeling it because you, you know what a, a real passport would feel, like, feel like. Yeah. The weight of it,
1: the texture of it, like it may be off. And and then I guess there's also fraud in, in the tenants, uh, you know, landlord and tenant stuff as well, too. That happens more frequently. The, the payout isn't as big,
0: obviously. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going yeah, on. Yeah. But if, if the frauds that we're seeing with title fraud start out as a tenancy situation. You know, the first thing is that they were presenting themselves as tenants to gather information to move into the house and then sell it. So on the tenant side, you know, when you're acting uh, for the landlord, you got to be as vigilant as you can in vetting those tenants. Absolutely. You know, our focus is always on, you know, job letter and, you know, credit score. Credit scores can easily be manipulated with Photoshop. Not even. At Equifax, there's people that do this stuff. Okay. So, you know, we've got to be more diligent, even in the, you know, with the landlord and tenant situation. Uh, if you're acting for a landlord, you gotta be asking, asking the right questions. Uh, You know, I had, uh, I have tenants in Leslieville that, um, you know, when I accept them as tenants, they've been long-term tenants of mine. Long before my fraud radar was up, they've been with me uh, five, six years, but they wanted to rent, I asked them, why do you want to rent this house? Because our kid wants to go to this, there's an alternative learning school something in Leslieville, And we really want to send our kid to this school. That was a good answer for me. Okay. And they actually had a kid. I saw the kid. Okay. Kid was like three years old at the time, but you know, um, you do what you can. And if something doesn't smell right, if you're not getting the answer that you're expecting, that's when you got to make the the phone call. So in in your context, as uh, you know, if you're a realtor and you're not hearing the right answers, you call the broker, um, you call. You know, whoever the more the more experienced people are in the firm, and then you call the lawyer that you know, or you call title insurer that you know. You call whoever can help you. Bet. Well, yeah. actually situ- my situation was caught early
1: because she didn't come up with the deposit, so that's, that's that. And there you go. What else can you do, right? But anyway. This is very informative. Thanks, Mitch. This is awesome. Thanks for coming to talk to us. Um, love to do it again. And yeah, I don't know. So reach out to Mitch, Mitch at com you have any questions, you're on social media? No, not you, but your team? <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: on social media. Okay. You can, uh, if you go at the Leaf Nation, you'll see a great video of my kid <laughs> high-fiving the Leafs as they walk out oh, the awesome. ice. That's the extent of my social- Five minutes of fame. <laughs> there you go, five minutes of fame. All right, thanks for joining us. <laughs> that's awesome. Thanks for having me. Add
1: I get it, the Toronto real estate market is confusing. Whether you're a new or experienced investor or just looking for a home to raise your family in, join us at Broadview Table Talks as you sit around the table with my friends and talk about the real estate and the ever-changing market in Toronto.